Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all right. Riding around in the breeze, well, it's all right. If you live the life you please, well, it's all right. Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150. On this fine January day, or shall we call it January, given it's like spring outside right now? I don't know what's going on. I was at in the Arboretum with some dogs uh, yesterday, and I saw some flowers. And it was really, I think, the first time I ever saw flowers and had a reaction of concern. <laughs> they were blooming already. Yeah. And here it is, just January. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ee, no, not supposed to happen. But I don't know. I guess it is what it is. Nothing I can do about it. But All I can say is, boy, hey. what a great day to take your dog for a walk. When life gives you lemons. <laughs> <laughs> and there's probably some lemons starting to yeah, blossom really. on trees around here now. Well, yes. Uh, a fine day, easy to say, a fine day to take your dog for a walk. As I look out over the blue sky over the city of Seattle. Speaking of Seattle, uh, we've got a big game coming up this Sunday, Eric. Super Bowl. Oh, my, I hadn't heard about that. I know. <laughs> My two teams are playing. I'm from Massachusetts, born and raised, and live in Seattle, a city that I adore. And everyone's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, it's a big problem. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is awesome. Both my teams. Sweet. So um, speaking, you know, there's actually a dog story. So I'm looking at the dog show with Julie Forbes Facebook page. Mm Mm-hmm. For some content in this intro, and then uh, we're going to listen to my interview with the Beagle Freedom Project. Now, there's a dog story connected to the Super Bowl? Yes. Ooh, and it's not the puppy Actually, ball? there's two. <laughs> no. Um, so, if you are on Facebook, be sure to check out the dog show with Julie Forbes, and you can be a part of the conversation in between our live shows every Wednesday. So, <clears throat> I saw this story from the Boston Globe. Um, their sports section that a Patriots player, Alan Branch, is playing with a heavy heart after the death of his dogs. Mm. And I posted the article on our Facebook page, so be sure to check it out. Just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. But he had um, three or four of his, they're like he and his wife are like big time dog people, and they had four or five dogs and four all but one of them were basically died in a boarding facility in Arizona, which maybe is where he lives in the off season. Mm. Um, This happened this summer. And he said that uh, he said, those guys are always going to be in my heart and said that he's playing this game for his dogs. I was like, Oh my God, I can't imagine having that happen. How, Horrible. They had a, a bunch of different kinds of dogs. Tonka, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Those dogs are adorable. Uh, Francis, a hound mix. Buick, I love that name, an English bulldog. Snickers was a deaf and blind Manchester Terrier. And um, only Tiny, their Great Dane, was the one who survived the uh, the tragedy. So anyway, always sad to hear that. Um, 
So, you know, there you go. Little dog story around the Super Bowl. And then there's another one. There's this um, ad that played. Well, I don't know if it ever it was going to they were going to air it. The GoDaddy ad. Did you see about this going around? I did not. But Ugh. they've got some weird ads. Yeah. Well, they had there was a weird one, I think, last year, but it was a different um, company. But GoDaddy had this uh, new Super Bowl commercial that I guess they have pulled because of the outrage that it's gotten. Haven't seen their ads in the past is probably for the best. If, yeah, if they pulled an ad. Well, the the post uh, you can watch the ad on our Facebook page. Just search for the Dog Show with Julie Forbes if you're not already a fan. Um, but it's this ad with this little golden retriever puppy that gets like bounced out of the back of a truck. Finds his way home only to ha- to be met by like this sort of, I mean, at least a, I guess she's at least portrayed as sort of a callous person. But she was like, oh, you made it home. And then she's like, good, because I just sold you on my online puppy store. And it's like, what? Yeah. Uh, is that <clears throat> supposed to be funny? Hmm. It doesn't is really this, seem to be is it educational. Cruella de Vil has a Etsy Basically. store now, or not to defame Etsy, but <laughs> I mean, how many shows? How many times have I talked on the show about like puppy mills? Right. How they are one of the biggest, most serious problems in the world of dogs on Earth. Puppy mills, horrible, and puppy mills, you know, sometimes look like factory farms in you know, Iowa, where they're kept like chickens. And there's also puppy mills that are more, I guess, relatively smaller operations where it's quote unquote family run. But these people have, you know, way too many dogs who live in horrible conditions. I just did an interview a few months ago about the Blue Moon puppy mill bust that was with Australian cattle dogs and talked about the rescue efforts there. And, uh, so they pulled the ad, which is good, because people were like, uh, no, you can, I mean, are you kidding me with this? What advertising genius came up with this crap commercial? But anyway, you can see it if you haven't seen it on our Facebook page <laughs> and see, like, I was, like, shocked. I didn't even know what to make of it at first. So there you go, Super Bowl commercials. I don't know what they're going to, I guess they're use their backup commercial, which... I shudder to think. So, but great. Hey, maybe it's an opportunity that where people got educated about why they need to be careful about, you know, buying a dog online and that you should really visit any facility in person. It does make me wonder, is that their target audience that GoDaddy is trying to sign up? Is Cruella DeVille and her ilk? <laughs> Sign up with GoDaddy and and build right. your puppy mill website. Yeah, exactly. We got uh, you know uh, whalepoisoners dot com. Go to GoDaddy and yeah. sign up. It doesn't it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Are they, is that the clientele they're trying to attract? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not amused though, and it doesn't neither make sense. were a lot of people. So anyway, people spoke up and it got yanked, and that's great. So it is important to. You know, speak up if something doesn't sit well with you. And a lot of people, this was a no-brainer. So good job, everybody, for stopping that one. So uh, we're going to listen to, you know, this I've interviewed over the years, over 300 episodes, a ton of 
amazing people, authors, different experts, directors of various organizations. And this is one of my top, you know, it's kind of a long list, but of my top organizations who I've interviewed um, really tackling a really important issue of uh, lab animals. So laboratory uh, animal testing, um, specifically dogs in this case, but you know, there's lots of other animals that are used in animal testing. And I've um, talked with Mark Beckoff about this, whose uh, focus is emotions. One of his focuses in research is emotions and animals. And he's really brilliant scientist. Um, so you can look up my interview with him, too, in the past. But this is the Beagle Freedom Project. And their mission is to rescue beagles from uh, experimentation in research laboratories and find them forever loving homes to give them a chance at a happy life. And it's in, they are a very, very well run organization, uh, very effective in what they do. And you're going to really enjoy and learn a lot from this interview. So enjoy my interview with the Beagle Freedom Project. Also first and only time that I've used the song Flash Beagle <laughs> on the show. All right. That's so, a special thing too. for that. All right. Thanks, Eric. If I had my life to live over, I know just what I'd like to be. Pampered pet of a rich brunette sitting on my mama's knee. Someone love me. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities, you name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. <laughs> Never miss another episode of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Listen online at dogradioshow.com or download our podcast for free on iTunes or SoundCloud. This summer, pack up the dog bowls and head to the Lodges on Vashon. Just a 20-minute ferry ride from West Seattle, Vashon Island is the perfect quick getaway for you, your family, and your furry friend. The Lodges on Vashon has 16 freestanding contemporary lodges, two communal spaces, and plenty of outdoor space to enjoy with your pooch. Go to lodgesonvashon.com for more information, because sometimes your dog needs a vacation too.
Spread the word. Your favorite shows are on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Dog's life. What a life. That's good enough for me. That's good enough. All right. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And we are back with Kevin Chase, who's the director of operations of the Beagle Freedom Project. The Beagle Freedom Project is a mission to rescue beagles used in animal experimentation in research laboratories and give them a chance at life in a loving forever home. Kevin, welcome to The Dog Show. Thanks for having me, Julie. It's my pleasure. So we have a lot of ground to cover um, because you guys are up to a lot of great stuff, and this is a really important topic. Um, You know, and this is, I think, episode number 286 of this radio show. And this is the first show that I've done at all around um, animal testing. Um, So I'm really excited to get this information out to my audience and just raise awareness about this and hopefully send you guys some support as well. Um, So the Beagle Freedom Project. So you uh, primarily are sort of a rescue organization that places dogs that are released from laboratories who had been used for animal testing into homes. Is that correct? Yeah, Beagle Freedom Project started about three years ago by our founder, Shannon Keith, who's an attorney in Los Angeles, and she grew up in a, a home where her dad was a director and a movie maker, and so she also had some skills behind the camera. And she had a small nonprofit shelter rescue organization a couple of years ago, and the rescue organization was contacted by a laboratory that said, hey, we've got these two experimentally spent beagles. That's mm. their words. And if we can't find a place for them, we're going to euthanize them. And Shannon obviously said, yes, of course I'll take them. So she went and picked up these two little beagles who had spent their entire lives in a lab. And with her camera, because she's in Hollywood, sat down and filmed opening the crate doors for these two dogs and documenting and videoing their first 20 minutes of freedom in life. Yeah. These were two dogs that had never been outside, never put a paw on a blade of grass, never smelled fresh air, seen the sunshine. And what she captured in those 20 minutes was just heart-wrenching. Mm. You know, they, they cautiously and curiously, with a lot of timidity, finally came out. And you could just see the worry and the anxiety on their face from all those years of deprivation began to melt away as they started to hop around and play with each other. This video went viral and caused Shannon to have this idea that this is one of the best tools we have to engage the public about a very controversial but a very important issue, and that issue is animal testing. Instead of just confronting the general public with undercover footage of you know, bloody dogs and tormented monkeys and cats. We wanted to engage the public in a really positive way. So that's why we rescue these dogs. Uh, We negotiate with the 383 laboratories in the United States that have over 65,000 dogs in them. Now, 96% of those 65,000 dogs are beagles. They're the breed of choice for research facilities precisely for the same reasons that they make great family members. Did you say 90%? 96%. 96% of the 65,000 dogs in laboratories in the U.S. are beagles. Wow. And they're, the, they're the breed choice for researchers 
precisely for the same reasons you and I want to share our homes with them. They're gentle. They're people-pleasing. They're forgiving. They don't use Rottweilers and pit bulls for a reason. They pick on the vulnerable and the sweetie pies. And so in the last couple of years, we've managed to rescue hundreds of beagles and other dogs, and also pigs, rabbits, cats, ponies, fish, um, even billy goats now, from laboratories all across the world in four countries and in 28 states. And we place them in homes, and we use the high-profile nature of these rescue operations to engage the public and talk about animal testing. Because we're not just a rescue organization, we also have a policy position that is opposing animal testing, and we feel one of the best ways to spark a public debate about this very important issue is to get people with the animals they empathize with the most, Okay, so dogs and cats they share their homes with. Okay, so I've got some questions for you. So where... Now, I just want to talk about animal testing because I think that people have, like, an idea of what exactly that is, but... but you know, I actually was sort of impressed and surprised about what I learned or what I didn't know about animal testing and what kinds of products all do that. And I, you know, am in the industry and have the show and all that kind of stuff. So when we say, you know, there's 65,000 dogs in the U.S. that are that live in laboratories and are used for animal testing, is that in... um Testing for household cleaners, cosmetics, drugs, um, medical research, you know, all the, all of those types of things and others and more, I'm sure. Yes, it's all of the above. These dogs are used in a host of research experiments um, to test things like Viagra or Botox or a new component to a washing powder or a tanning lotion or Splenda was tested on beagles. Um, they're also used to test various academic curiosities at American research or university research institutions. They're the breed of choice um, for a lot of toxicity testing. And during toxicity testing, they're slowly poisoned by a method called oral gavage. That's where a beagle is held off, and they take a long plastic tube and they just crudely insert it all the way down his esophagus, and they pour a given substance into his stomach at various doses at various times a day to see how the dog reacts, how sick he gets, how long it takes to die. Yeah. And that's the picture of animal testing for a lot of dogs in this country. Mm, It's just... um, Now, I'm curious, because in science, um, I've been... I do a lot of um, interviews and promotions of a conference that happens. It's a new conference that's had its second year this summer called Sparks. And it's a lot of scientific research in the field of dog cognition and how dogs think. And everybody who attends these and speaks at these are are not doing tests in, you know, using laboratory animals. They're using, you know, pet dogs that have homes who you know, it's all very non-invasive and all that. And one of the things that they've talked about is that within the scientific community, it is now more widely accepted and agreed on that animals have emotions. Whereas, you know, a few decades ago, if not less than that, 
it was like, oh, no, you know, animals are robots that don't feel anything. And so we can do whatever we want to them. And and that that's really confronting right now because it's like, well, geez, if these these animals, not just dogs, but, you know, all animals are, you know, mice, rats, whatever they're using can suffer, do have emotion, do have, you know, awareness. And and um, I'm wondering if animal testing is generally is it on a decline or is it is it just as strong as ever or is it on the rise? What is your sense for that? It depends on the field of research. Um, generally, for cosmetic and household products, it's on the decline. All of Europe, India, Israel, they have banned all cosmetic and cosmetic testing on animals and product testing on animals. Um, in the U.S., it's in decline in certain fields, uh, but medical and pharmaceutical research, there is, a, there is an uptick in a certain number of animals. And unfortunately, in the United States, too, um, we're concerned about all animals at Beagle Freedom Project, even though we call ourselves Beagle Freedom Project. Um, we also care about the mice, the rats, and the birds. And in the United States of America, under the Animal Welfare Act, those aren't even classified as animals, so they don't have to be counted, and they're afforded no protection under the law for their humane care. So unfortunately, we don't have a lot of great statistics about exactly how many mice, rats, and birds are in U.S. laboratories because there is no accountability to having them um, quantified. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, so it's so important that, you know, we talk about what, you know, if you're sitting here listening to this and it's like, you know, the example that you gave is is horrific and unfortunately is one of many. And it's just not OK that we're doing this. It's just I mean, it makes me want to break something when I think about, you know, that we're doing this to these animals. And so we Darcy got my wife got um, all in all over this when I told her she started looking at the website saw a couple of those videos that are on your website, which is BeagleFreedomProject.org, of the beagles coming out of their crates for the, you know, stepping on grass for the first time and all this stuff. So she got your, uh, or the the Cruelty Cutter app, which has been um, getting, certainly getting some mileage (laughs) in our household. Everything that we've had in our house has been scanned. Um, And so what you can do is, it's a it's an app that you can get on your smartphone and you can actually scan the barcode of like a cleaner or a shampoo or cosmetic or something like that. And it'll tell you if it's cruelty free or not. And so our house has now been rid of um, any, you know, uh, dish soap, um, laundry detergents or cosmetics um, and have been replaced with those that are cruelty free and that do not engage companies that do not animal test. And I think that's a really powerful thing for the general public to be aware of is where are you, you know, spending your money and not not purchasing, not supporting these companies that do this. So is the cruelty cutter app, is that through Beagle Freedom Project or is that separate? No, Beagle Freedom Project spent a lot of time and resources, two years to be precise, and we came out with a with a smartphone app that has never existed before and wasn't on the market. Mm. And it's exactly what you say it is. It allows you to go in the store with your phone, scan the barcode of any shampoo, toothpaste, makeup, 
um, toilet cleaner, and it'll instantly tell you if that product was tested on animals or not, and then it allows you to take your protest activity one step further. If it was tested on animals, the app allows you to instantly send an email of protest or socially share on your Facebook or mm-hmm. your Twitter account that you will not buy this product, and here is the reason. Yep. Now, alternatively, alternatively, if the product is cruelty-free, you can give props and recognition to that company and socially share, hey, I just bought you know, Tom's Domain toothpaste because they don't test on animals, and that's how I roll. And it allows it to become a status symbol that you are a cruelty-free shopper, conscientious, and that's what we want. We want cruelty-free shopping to be easy mm-hmm. and something everybody wants to be connected to. And then importantly, with this app on the back end, Eagle Freedom Project is getting some amazing analytics. Yeah. Because our goal is in six months to a year's time, we can go to the annual general meeting of Procter & Gamble or Maybelline or CoverGirl and present to them just from our smartphone data alone that they have lost millions of dollars in scans from our protest activity. And that if they're not going to listen to the ethical or the conscientious arguments about not using animals to test a new shade of blush, maybe they'll listen to their hurting bottom line. Yeah. Now, what is the, um, I've heard that one of the reasons why some of these companies do animal test is because it is required to sell in China? That is 100% the truth. And many companies that would otherwise be cruelty-free, like Avon, Mm. are have you know they they put a moratorium on testing and they wouldn't do it anymore they signed pledges but because they didn't want to forego the chinese market they've chosen to again start uh, testing their products on animals in order to gain entry into that market now we sympathize with any company not wanting to lose market share or opportunity but we also sympathize with companies that have chosen to put their principles before profits and will not sell in China because they do not want to engage in animal testing. And so we have to side with them and make that classification that any company that still sells in China and obliges that animal testing policy cannot be considered cruelty-free. You know, it was surprising. When we were first going through everything in our house with the Cruelty Cutter app, which now... So it looks like there's a link to download the app from your website, which is BeagleFreedomProject.org. Um, can people also go to like an um, app store or, you know, where yep. people, yeah, just you find know. it on iTunes. It's okay. called Cruelty Cutter and it's on iTunes. And the Android version is actually about to be released very soon. It's just finishing its beta testing. Great. So definitely get that. And I love that it's not only... Um, informing the consumer, but also enabling the consumer to make noise about, you know, like you said, it'll, it can automatically post to social media or it will automatically send a company an email like, hey, I see that your product tests on animals, so I'm not buying it. And, you know, that's really that noise is really important. So that's Absolutely. great. It's called yeah, the, the Cruelty app- Cutter. And uh, like I said, go to their website or to the um, App Store on iTunes and soon for Androids as well, BeagleFreedomProject.org. So now you are, you've got a lot of stuff going on. You've got this, this app that you've developed. And like you said, that's also giving you a lot of information. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to mention that is important too, 
we were really surprised as we were going through our household or like out at the store, assuming that, oh, this is a natural product, a natural company. They wouldn't test on animals. And, oh, we were, and then sort of the opposite. We were like, oh, I bet they test on animals. And they wouldn't. Like, um, I think Target, Target brand doesn't. Up. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of like ones that we sort of assumed didn't did and ones that we assumed did didn't. And so it was really important to to go through that. Um, so you have a how many do you how many beagles or dogs, I should say, do you have um, in your organization right now, like in homes that that you've that you've rescued? Sure. We have rescued. I believe the number right now is about 228 dogs. Um, I believe 215 of them are beagles, representing that 96% of dogs in laboratories. Um, we have 228 dogs, about 40 rabbits, 10 ponies, um, 15 cats, 5 pigs, some goats, living in... 30 states across the country where we've engaged, negotiated, and freed animals from laboratories. So you work directly with the laboratories and and ask them to release the dogs, like you said, that are experimentally spent to you rather than just euthanizing them, which seems like is what would happen otherwise. Euthanizing these animals is the standard procedure for any laboratory. And we engage the laboratories, and we tell them, we're up front, listen, we don't like animal testing. That is our politics. However, what the Eagle Freedom Project is doing is attempting to find a common ground area where parties on both sides of this polarizing debate can get together and do something to help these animals. And that common ground is this, is that if these dogs and cats or these other animals are healthy and cannot be used in any other further research, and their dissection is not required for the research data, then there's no reason to summarily kill them. Mm-hmm. Let them have a chance to live a life, be pampered, sit on a couch, run outside, because after everything they've endured for our curiosities, for our products, for our drugs, they've earned that chance at freedom. And we've managed to convince a number of laboratories to engage us, even though they know we don't like what they do, mm-hmm. we're opposed to it principally, philosophically, and scientifically, but they'll still work with us because some of the folks in this laboratory, especially the low-level animal care technicians, the people in charge of feeding, yeah. cleaning the cages up, and walking the animals to and from the laboratory every day, they get to know these dogs over a course of sometimes five, six, seven years. And when the research study is finally over, they're gutted to think that these dogs are just going to be killed. And so they'll beg and plead with their management, their higher-ups, please let me in my spare time to come in on a weekend to help find these dogs home. Yeah. And then that employee reaches out to us, and we say, yep, we'll take them all. We'll come and pick them up. We'll pay for the veterinary care. And we have 5,000 applicants on a waiting list desperate to help one of these poor dogs. So that you that so you when you say that you mean you have five thousand people who are ready to take in a dog from one of these laboratories. 
Yep, in every state wow. in the country. Wow. That's, that's the way Beagle Freedom Project is able to be a national rescue organization. There are very few national rescue organizations, and it's because we have this really sophisticated, healthy, and vetted applicant database that we're constantly updating. So if a rescue happens tomorrow in Memphis, Tennessee, we can plug ourselves into it, find the 20 nearest homes, and see which homes can open up tomorrow to yeah. put a dog in it. Wow. I just can't. I just can't fathom how somebody could actually go through with some of these things and then, you know, be able to sleep at night. It just blows my mind. Um, There's an interesting psychology at play in many of these laboratories, Julie, as Shannon and I can both tell you, because we've toured many of them through our years of activism. And there is this disconnect between what they do to the animals in the labs and then how they treat their animals at home. You know, in the laboratories, the animals have no names. These deagles all have tattoos uh, inked in their ears, these numbers, their federal ID numbers. They're not allowed to be called a name. Yet you go to the desk of one of the researchers, one of the laboratory workers, and they have pictures of their own dogs lining up everywhere. It's this desensitization. They're trying not to see the animal as no different than the one they see at home. And it is our job at Beagle Freedom Project to give them names to say these animals are no different than the ones 60 million Americans share their homes with. Mm. And that's why this should be an issue we all care about. We should all be channeling our voices together to advocate for more funding of alternatives. So no dogs have to suffer like this. So how is, like with the example that you gave um, earlier, um, how is that, how are these dogs not protected I mean, you mentioned like the Animal Welfare Act, which, you know, doesn't consider other animals as animals in the in that law. But mm-hmm. but these are dogs. So are they somehow not do they somehow not benefit from the rights that dogs who are, you know, pets who live in homes? I mean, if somebody was caught doing that to their what you described to their dog at home, the dog would be taken away by animal control. You're absolutely right. No, animals in laboratories are not afforded the same rights and protections as family member animals. There's a big legal distinction and classification there. Animals in laboratories are protected by the Animal Welfare Act, and the Animal Welfare Act says they need certain access to food, water, um, you know, some sort of comfort, uh, pain management. But there's exemptions to all of that. These dogs can be deprived of food, water, and pain management if the research objective says that will interfere Mm. with the test. And oftentimes that is written into the test. that They can't be given anesthetics because, you know, it could dull the reaction they're trying to witness. Yeah. So you have some legislation that you're working on, the Beagle Freedom Bill. So tell us about that. Yeah, the Beagle Freedom Bill is a product of Beagle Freedom Project for a couple of years now. You know, we've been saving all these animals from laboratories, and we've saved a stunning number, considering this has never really been done before. Mm. But the 228 dogs we've rescued is really just a drop in the bucket when you consider that there's 65,000 dogs still in labs. And we even have a quote from one of the research institutions that opposed us, saying that they could be releasing... In just the East Coast alone, 1,200 dogs a month, but they won't. And the research institutions don't want to release these dogs, 
for the same reasons we want to get them out. And that's because we want to tell their stories, remind mm. the public the true cost we all pay for the products that are tested on animals, and we want to get the public involved in petitioning for greater alternatives. And the research institutions don't want any extra scrutiny, and they certainly don't want criticism. So because we've been stymied and because there is no law saying that when a research project ends, that this dog should be given a right to be placed mm-hmm. in a home mm-hmm. if a home exists, mm-hmm. there is no, there's a deficiency at law that does not address what happens at the end of research if a dog is healthy and adoptable. Mm-hmm. And so we drew together a policy proposal that should cover this, and it's pretty simple. If you are a research institution and you take taxpayer money, because maybe you're a university, when that research project is over, if you have dogs and cats that need not be used in any other projects and do not have to be euthanized at the end for the research objective, then the very least you have to do is pick up a phone and call your local charitable animal rescue organization and ask them if they can take them and put them in a home. Mm -hmm. This isn't controversial. This is the bare minimum, the baseline standard that these animals deserve. And we've sponsored this legislation in Minnesota, California, and New York. And in 2014, we made history. We passed this law in Minnesota, and it became the first political entity in the world to recognize that these dogs and cats have a value and a worth beyond that of just being a research subject. Mm. It's such a uh, such a shadow side of this. Um, you know, I mean, I I'm I have this whole show about you know dogs and in especially in the U.S. and life with dogs. You know, um, not you know from my perspective, which is that they you know all animals deserve rights and to be treated with respect and not tortured in laboratories and stuff like that. Um, and this is a country that loves their dogs. I mean, you know, we, we love dogs. It's all over social media, you know, dog, cute dog and cat videos that go all over the place because they're doing something cute and they go viral. And then yet we have this shadow side of, you know, within the same country where we're torturing animals for, you know, te- you know, to, to test cosmetics or whatever, so that the product can be sold in China or whatever the reason is. And it's just such a contradiction. That's why we do these rescues, is to engage the public and provoke this conversation. And nine times out of ten, Julie, the average person on the street, when we tell them, because, you know, I have two of these dogs, I have Junior and Raymond, both are re- former research beagles. And when I tell somebody on the street where Raymond came from, and I flip back his ear and they see that tattoo, the look on their face is mm-hmm. shocked. Mm-hmm. Every one of them to a T will say, they don't still do that, do they? Yeah. I thought that was banned. No I thought kidding. that was over. And I tell them, nope, there's 65,000 dogs exactly like Raymond right now. And laboratories all around us, they're shocked. And that's the reason we tell the stories. These, these beagles, these little dogs, They can do more to change the heart of a person on this topic with the simple wag of their tail Mm. than I can do with my best words. Right. You know, they're living survivors and reminders. They're our little ambassadors. So do you notice after the, um, what did you say, 286, I think, 
dogs that you that Beagle Freedom Project has has taken in and and rehomed. Um, what do you notice about how these dogs? I mean, I assume a lot of them have been in the laboratory setting their you know entire life, and it's probably been in in some cases several years. Mm-hmm. And and then you know, like you said, there's this uh, there's video footage which is really powerful to watch on their website BeagleFreedomProject.org of these dogs you know with the kennel door opening on onto grass and they've never walked on grass before in their entire life and you see these dogs just sort of tentatively taking their first steps into freedom and then you know down you know fast forward and they're running around and playing and what do you notice of from how do these dogs handle this this transition i mean are some of them really where it takes them where they're really traumatized um or you probably see it kind of across the board or are they for the most part just like moving forward what do you notice that's a great question there are some general trends but dogs are like people you know they're emotionally complex creatures Mm -hmm. and they all have little differences and they all adjust to freedom and deal with their past traumas in different ways but generally what we see is it's 50-50, and it depends really on the length of time these animals have spent in the lab. Anywhere from one to three years, and we release these animals, and first of all, all the dogs have never been free before. They're commercially bred at specific breeders just to sell the laboratories. Well, that was one of my questions, is where are they getting all of these dogs from? And they're actually specifically bred to supply the... That's right. The laboratory, ex- like the industry of experiment. I mean, it, yeah. It's a big business. There's about four large breeding facilities in the United States that supply most of the dogs to the laboratories. I'm sure those and conditions so these, are great too. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> really deplorable. Yeah. But um, so these dogs have really never they've never had a home life. They've always been indoors, and they go from a breeding facility indoors by a plane or cargo truck to a laboratory where they're kept in a, you know, usually the labs for dogs are in basements, concrete floors, cinder block walls, fluorescent lights overhead. All they have around them is stainless steel cages with metal slated floors, and it's echoey. They can hear the other dogs barking and making noise and clanging around. Mm-hmm. They hear doors shutting. This is their world from years on end. And when we let them go, those dogs that have been in there for one to three years, you know, they're a little nervous. They don't know what to make of you. But as soon as you're affectionate towards them, they are little love sponges. Mm. They want to be on your lap. They just want to be hugged. They want to run around. They want to be goofy. But some of those dogs that we've gotten out of labs that have been in there seven, eight, nine, even ten years, Mm. it takes them a little longer to get over that trauma. Mm-hmm. They don't trust strangers so quickly. Even to this day, we've we rescued one dog, Abe, about a year and a half ago. And even to this day, you know, if you don't know him and he doesn't know you, he's not going to come up to you and sniff you. He's going to watch you from afar. And he may never get over that distrust yeah. because of the violence his little body suffered. Yeah. But when he's with his family and he's in his backyard, he is just a normal little dog. He likes to run around with the ball. He likes to sleep on the couch with his dad. You know, and that's the, that's the life he deserves. That's the happy ending he and all these other, other, these other laboratory beagles deserve. Yeah. 
So what is there to do? So we we were just really, you know, inspired to get the Cruelty Cutter app, go through our house, rid it of anything that uh, was animal tested, and then, you know, find replacements of from companies that don't animal test so that, uh, you know, brands that are cruelty free. So there's purchase power and, and through the cruelty cutter app, because then that will automatically make noise about it either on social media or it'll send the company an email or something like that. So it's great to keep doing that. And then also giving you guys, like you said, the analytics and data that it'll give you. Um, what else can people do to, you know, like they can get on, join the list of, 5,000 people who are ready at a moment's notice to open their home to a dog that might become available anywhere in the country. Um, There's a host of things people can do. One is just like you said, you know, be a cruelty-free shopper. That is the first thing, and it is the easiest thing. Mm -hmm. In the modern 21st century America, there is no excuse for you to have a toothpaste that was tested on an animal. I haven't used a toothpaste tested on animals in 20 years, or wash my hair with the shampoo, tested on animals in 20 years, and I have pearly white teeth and nice shiny hair. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. Nobody needs products tested on animals. Right. So first things first, be a cruelty-free shopper. Secondly is the outreach. Yeah. This is why we rescue these dogs. If you're compelled by this interview or you've been to the website and seen one of these videos, socially share that video. Mm. Talk to a friend about it. Inform your acquaintances because most People don't realize this is still happening, and the best way to end it is to boycott it. And the third thing is exactly what you just said after that. Get on our list. Be an applicant to foster or adopt. The only way Beagle Freedom Project exists and can say to a laboratory in Missouri or Colorado or Georgia that we will take all their dogs in 24 hours' notice, just give them the chance, is if we have you in our corner, right. ready to go to open up your homes and your hearts to help. Mm. So go to BeagleFreedomProject.org and apply to a foster or adopt. And then one of the other things, obviously, and I have to shill for this because we are a nonprofit organization and we are funded completely on the donations of others, because mm. we could always use a tax-deductible contribution to continue this work. Mm-hmm. So we can save animal lives, change human lives, and enact legislation and public policy that's going to help more animals and spark more debate about bringing this all to an end. Mm-hmm. At Beagle Freedom Project, we always like to put out there, we put out the happy stories. We're not putting out blood and guts and gore. We're putting out stories of survival. It's heartwarming and it's heart-wrenching. And we do this because we want to end animal testing. We're not anti-science. We're not anti-product testing. We're not anti-medicine. We just don't believe that the animal models are appropriate ethically or scientifically. And the more we can have an open dialogue about that, the more progress we'll make as a society. Yeah. Well, the website, again, is BeagleFreedomProject.org. As Kevin just shared, there's lots of ways to get involved and support the cause and support the organization with the Cruelty Cutter app, with getting on their list and becoming a uh, foster or adoptive home for Beagle that might become available in your area. Um, I do have a question. Do these dogs 
tend to be friendly with other dogs. I see a lot of videos where they're all running around together and they're all happy. Um, so I think a concern might be for someone who's listening, well, I already have, you know, one or two dogs. Are these dogs typically friendly with other dogs? Would it be, is it something where they can, yeah. Yeah, that is a great question. And I'm glad you brought that up. When we do fosters for these dogs coming out of the lab, we almost always universally seek and prioritize those homes that have other dogs already in them. Because when we place one of these laboratory beagles in a home, they love and they immediately bond with the other dog. Even if they're fearful of the person, they love other dogs. And that other dog in the home acts as their mentor, yeah. showing them, you know, this is how we eat out of a bowl. It's okay when there's a leash on us and we go for a walk. This is where you pee. They learn so much quicker, quicker about how to be a free, normal, healthy, you know, adjusted dog by having another dog with them. You know, beagles are a friendly breed. They're not fighters. They're great with kids, with cats, with people, and other dogs. Great. Well, again, BeagleFreedomProject.org is the website, and uh, you guys are just doing such awesome work. And, you know, like you said, there's I'm just sharing right now a video of beagles rescued from lab testing who see sunshine for the first time. There's a lot of really moving footage that you have uh, to really help people connect with how important this is and the reality of animal testing in this country and then, um, you know, also educating people on how to support you guys in your efforts. So um, thanks so much for the work that you do. And I look forward to seeing all the great stuff that you do in the future. Thanks so much, Julie. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you today. You're welcome. Okay, so that's BeagleFreedomProject.org. Again, is their website. I'm going to post links to them on our Facebook page and on our homepage, which is DogRadioShow.com. And this interview will also be posted online so you can share the interview with your friends and community and just really make some noise about this and get people educated. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and just uh, recap the events, all the events that I have coming up in the near future. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. This is Julie Forbes. I'm excited to tell you about Farm Dog Naturals, a company that handcrafts herbal remedies for the all-natural dog. Quality and integrity are must-haves for anything that I recommend. Certified eco-friendly and cruelty-free, their products address issues like stress and anxiety, itching, hot spots, crusty noses, as well as pet urine, stains, and odor. Farm Dog Naturals is guaranteed, and I'm so happy with the results I'm seeing. Shipping is available worldwide from their website, farmdognaturals.com, or you can ask for them at a retailer near you. Again, that's farmdognaturals.com. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, we cover the world of animals. This week, May 15th, it's a Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me. We'll have open phone lines throughout the show. As an animal behavior therapist and trainer, I can help you resolve any issues you have with your animal friends. I'll answer all your questions. Plus, it's your chance to talk about any animal-related topics on your mind. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. 
The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Stay informed with news, traffic, and weather at the top of the hour, weekdays on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Cool. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great interview with Beagle Freedom Project. Again, their website is beaglefreedomproject.org if you'd like to find out more information. Flash, or flash, flash, Beagle. Get involved. Sorry, that's a catchy song. Eric's psyched about that here. one. Well, you're good at that, Eric. <laughs> appreciate appreciate your talent. Um, all right, well, best of luck to the two teams this weekend who are playing in the Super Bowl, my two teams, the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. May the best team win. And be sure to check us out on Facebook. You can uh, reference what I was talking about at the beginning of the show on our Facebook page. Just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And also be sure to check out our website, dogradioshow.com. I have an exciting new video that I'll be posting this week, so be sure to check that out, too. We'll be back live next week from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. Dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. <laughs> 